Okay, Tom Moran here on a stifling Saturday morning. Uh, summer has arrived, which is great in one way because I will soon have a lot of time off. I teach and I have my obviously get the summer break, which will be great because I have a ton of stuff I'd like to get done with the website and podcasts and some videos. And I've got some great collaborations planned, but there just isn't enough time in the week right now for it. So that's a good thing. Bad thing is I can't stand the hot weather and we're going to be pushing apparently over 90 today and it's going to get humid later on. So not looking forward to that. But a good morning, I think, to tackle this topic that um, I've been thinking about tackling for a long time, and I've been working on an article about this that will be up on my website, hopefully by this coming week's end. And that is about uh, kind of a, a dirty little secret in the hobby and something that isn't talked about very much, and I think part of it is due to the fact that people like to turn a blind eye to it. And pretend like it's not happening because, in a way, this helps a lot of people get animals that they might not be able to get otherwise. And I'll explain this whole thing as we get through it. But uh, one of the things that kind of drove me to tackle this topic finally is one of the things that was brought up recently is the fact that it's illegal to ship through United States Postal Service, ship tarantulas and, and scorpions in the United States. And a lot of people do it. And I had some people contact me very concerned because I was recommending dealers that do that. And a lot of talk about this being a huge issue in the hobby and that it could close us down. And while thinking about that, it got me thinking about another issue that people don't talk about very often that is even worse than this, in my opinion, and could get us even in even more trouble. And that is brown boxing. And to explain what brown boxing is, I'm going, to, I'm going to take the scenic route on this one because I want to kind of set it up for people so that they really understand how this can impact the hobby. But one of the things I've noticed a lot of lately, and it seems to be happening more and more, is import pre-orders. People are getting in imports. They'll, they'll post these amazing lists of all these exotic species of tarantulas they're getting in. And they're trying to basically recoup. It makes sense. When you do pre-orders, basically, I, I, my wife and I used to publish books. You do pre-orders because you're putting a lot of money out to pay for something. With, with the books, it was the publishing and the printing and the binding of the books. With tarantulas, you're paying a huge amount of cash to someone to order these animals. So you try to offset that by offering better prices before they come in. So you, you give them some really good prices. So you can get some incredible deals on these import pre-orders and they pop up quite a bit and I've, it's weird because when I first got in a hobby I remember Ken the Bug Guy would have them and you'd get them emailed to you and you'd go through and see what you wanted and the, the prices were quite a bit cheaper than what they would be when they eventually went for retail when they put, when you put them up for sale on the website and I remember getting very excited you make a little wish list of them and I need a couple of these I need a couple of these oh my god I can't believe these are only $5 I'll get some of those and it was great and now it seems like with Facebook being a more popular place to sell things you see them popping up constantly here is the issue. A lot of times when people are ordering these pre-order sales, they are actually helping to support smuggling. And I'll explain why. There is a legal way to import tarantulas into the United States. And I'm going to break down what the legal way is. There is also something called brown boxing. Now, what is brown boxing? Well, Bottom line, to legally import animals from other countries, it's you need the correct forms, you need the correct type of shipping, it can be very time-consuming and costly. So what people will do to cut corners and to save themselves a lot of money is called brown boxing, which means they have the animals mailed to them. They can come from the UK, uh, there's a place in Poland, I believe, that does it, Germany, there's some people in Germany that do it, where they will basically send the animals using regular mail and they will come to you through the United States Postal Service. That is not the legal way to ship and receive. Well, 
for the Europeans, I'm not sure what your laws are, and, I, and I'm hoping this will turn in the, the majority of this discussion will be centered around the U.S. hobby. But I do hope the folks in Canada and the U.K. and Europe, you know, I know it's legal to ship, it's totally legal to ship between European countries, but here in the States is a little bit different. So I do guys, hope some of you guys chime in on your laws, so hopefully people from other countries can get something out of this podcast as well. But with brown boxers, what they're doing is cutting corners by basically smuggling these animals in illegally. And this becomes a huge issue because it means anybody ordering these animals is technically receiving animals that came into the country illegally. You're receiving basically smuggled goods. So a lot of people are not aware that this is an issue. I know I've done it. I've ordered things before, and then I had, I'm not going to mention the dealer, though he's not around anymore, but I ordered from him. I was all excited. And then one of the dealers that was a legitimate dealer that I was talking to was like, you do realize those are brown box. And this was my first education in the brown boxing. And I was like, I, I don't understand. What does that mean? I, he, he's ordering them. It's, this is all public. And again, that's a big issue with our hobby right now, I think. And in general is we with the day and age of social media, the stuff we put online, we assume that somebody's putting online that they're getting a box of thousands of dollars worth of spiders in the mail that, hey, it's got to be legal, right? But that's not the case. People put stuff up there. They get brazen with it. It uh, doesn't – they don't seem to care about what's going online because they think nobody's going to catch them. And the, and the truth of the matter is the government agencies that – are responsible for catching this kind of stuff are understaffed and it, they're not going to catch everybody they're not going to catch the majority of people but they can catch people and we'll get to that in a minute so to talk about what this is and how this impacts us let's take a minute of what it takes to actually legal legally ship something to the u.s to le- get a legal import and there are dealers out there that do this legitimately that pay the uh, the high costs of shipping these guys in legally and those are the ones we should be supporting. So I don't want this to become a huge witch hunt. I'm not mentioning names of people. I don't even know exactly who's doing it. But I do want folks that are entering the hobby and getting really into the hobby to be aware of the legal and right way to do it and be aware that there are a lot of people out there that are not doing it legally, that are setting you up to get in trouble. Bottom line, you're receiving uh, animals that have come into the country illegally. That's something that should concern a lot of people. So let's look at the process for legally shipping. To legally bring import to the country, a vendor must first acquire an import license from the United States Fish and Wildlife Agency. Um, This is, if you're planning to retail tarantulas in the United States and you're bringing them in to resell them, you absolutely need this. Now, people who are bringing them in for their own collection say, I decide I want a bunch of stuff from Europe that I can't find around here. That's fine. I don't have to pay that fee, but we will get to in a moment. The shipping costs are so high that that would be a ridiculous order, honestly. So if you're doing these legally, you're going to have your permit to do so, it's like 100 bucks, and you can renew it once a year, and it's not a bad deal, right? That's, that's really fine. So why is everybody cutting corners? Well, here's where it gets sticky. That's just the beginning of the whole thing. The only way to legally ship animals is by using air freight, and this service is incredibly expensive. Depending on the size of the package and the country of origin, a dealer can expect to pay $750 to over $1,600 for shipping alone. 
Now, let that rattle around. I get a lot of people that are new to the hobby that are that will complain, and I get it because I was when I got into the hobby, it was the same way where it's like I got to pay 50 bucks to ship. You know, I'm, I'm buying two $10 spiders, and it's 50 bucks. And once you've been in the hobby for a while, you start to just rationalize it. When you see a, a spider that costs $10, you, you work in the shipping cost to the overall price of it, and a lot of us will buy a lot more at once to make the cost of shipping. You kind of defray it a little bit. So we get used to it, but a lot of people complain about $50. Now imagine $1,600 dollars to ship some spiders in that is completely out of most people's uh, comfort zone as far as how much you're going to spend to ship something so that right there is the big spot we want to look at as far as why people would choose to do this illegally if you want it legal you have to pay a lot of money now it doesn't end there so on top of this we have $100 for our thing. So what? Big deal. That's that's nothing. But that's a that's a sling of an expensive species. We have our 750 to 1600 bucks for shipping alone. Right now you are hugely out of pocket. Now, there's other things you have to keep in mind that you have to deal with too. You have to deal with all the forms, insurance, and hoops that can be quite overwhelming for somebody who's inexperienced at importing to go through on their own. This isn't something you want to just kind of fumble through because there's a lot of legalities to consider. So many will find it necessary to hire a broker to guide them through the process. And between broker fees and U.S. Customs bond insurance, you're talking another six to $800. This is on top. You haven't paid for any spiders yet. This is on top of it. So when you do the math, a legal importer can expect to pay anywhere from $1,600 to $2,000 on top of what he or she is paying for the spiders, which can already be in the thousands. That's a lot of money and adds quite a bit to the overall cost of the animals. Then we're talking, all right, so this is just money. So say you've got all the money in the world, who cares? This isn't like sitting at home waiting for your package to arrive FedEx or running down to the local FedEx and picking it up. There's the fact that the species list must be submitted to customs before the package arrives and your package must be inspected and picked up at an approved airport. For most folks, this means setting aside time in the day for the travel and pickup because most of these airports aren't just right down the street. You're not going to drive, you know, 15 minutes to the local airport unless you're very fortunate to live by one. You have to find one that's on the list and drive to it. So that means logistically you have to consider a day's worth of possible travel, getting there in the morning, going through the packages, making sure everything's copacetic and driving it back. And that can be quite a drive. So hypothetically, if the vendor is ordering $6,000 worth of animals legally, we're going for a high cost here. I'm not even going to make it like a lot of people don't even spend nearly that much, but let's say six grand worth of animals legally. He or she can expect to add up to 33% to the cost in fees, brokers, and shipping. Now, Anybody that knows how to do math means that when you're spending money on these animals and you divide it up, it means a higher cost per animal for the retailer, which of course is passed on to the customer and higher prices. And so now you know why the slings you're buying that are imported, like your Harpactera Caffrariana slings cost you $80. It's because they're being imported in, and if somebody's doing them legitimately, there are going to be expenses tacked on that. They have to pass them to the customer. They couldn't stay in business if they try to absorb thousands of dollars in import costs. So obviously that is a huge investment and one that would prove too cost prohibitive to folks who weren't planning on bringing in thousands of dollars of animals. So for people that are just ordering for themselves, supposedly that's not going to work for smaller dealers. They're not going to be able to afford that kind of payment to get the animals in. And remember $6,000 sounds like a lot of animals. If you're just starting up a business or trying to get into it, that's actually not a lot of animals. That's, I, I don't know how many, depending on the species, but if you're trying to get some of the expensive ones, some of the average ones, that's not going to be a huge chunk of animals. 
So basically, for a private seller looking to bolster his or her offerings with some fresh import or an upstart trying to immediately compete with the more established online stores, this could prove problematic. You're talking a huge investment. And this, in a nutshell, is why some folks choose to break the law. Now, I guess I can understand the line of thinking to a point you're you love tarantulas, you'd like to get into business with it, and you're finding out that everybody's importing. You can't seem to find through local United States breeders the species you'd like to offer, and you realize that your only opportunity to get these species will be to import, but then you look into the cost, you're like, I don't have this, that kind of money. Unfortunately, I'm sorry, I can't have much sympathy there because then you can't do it. That's it. There are things I would like to do in life that I can't legally do because I don't have the money. There are, you know, I'd love to have a mansion in the middle of the country somewhere with just trees, no people around me, but unfortunately, that's not in the cards right now. We're kind of in here. So that's not how things work. So this is where people will say, well, you know, I understand it, but you're still doing something illegal to cut corners, which I have a very difficult time with. And I don't want to get on my soapbox and I don't want people going, yeah, here's Tom getting on his high horse. Because again, I admit, I have shipped USPS before. It was before I knew what was going on. Looking back, I have ordered animals that I did not realize that were probably coming in being brown boxed. I don't do that anymore. I became educated and I choose not to do it. So I'm not sitting here trying to browbeat people who are doing this stuff into not doing it, but I am trying to raise awareness. So I get why people might try to do this and here's what ends up happening is people get a hold of people in Europe that are raising these that aren't worried so much about this issue. And I don't know if this is legal for maybe people can chime in what it takes to legally export something out of the UK or out of Germany or somewhere in Europe. Like, let me know if you could in the comments, if you have any information, I'd love to hear it because we could always do an update to this. It's probably not illegal for them. We'll, we'll put it that way, but it is illegal for us to receive them. So it doesn't matter what they're doing. It's what we're doing because we're the ones receive them, receiving them. So what will happen is many will work out arrangements with European breeders to have shipments mailed directly to their doors for a fraction of the cost of illegal import. So you can take away all of those extra fees we talk about because a brown boxer having his shipment sent USPS will likely only pay 30 to maybe $100 for postage depending on the size of the box. That's it. That's that's not even the cost of the permit. It's it's so cheap. So you can see where the like, all right, nobody's going to catch me. Let's go for this. So that's where the issue starts. And that is a huge saving over importing legally and gives smugglers a huge advantage over the people who are legitimately trying to bring these animals into the country legally. And that bothers me a lot. I work with a lot of dealers with buying stuff. I've gotten to know some of these people really well. I think the hobby needs, desperately needs a core of solid, trustworthy dealers to help feed this hobby captive bred slings we're not producing enough of them over here we need to import them it's kind of the lifeblood of the hobby over here unfortunately and yes so everybody in europe can kind of poke fun at us a little bit we're, we're behind you and we need to support these people and when you buy from somebody who is brown boxing you are creating a big problem as far as i'm concerned so let's let's look at the impact on the hobby Let's examine two scenarios involving a hypothetical import. And for this scenario, we'll present two vendors who are planning to import, we'll say, the H. Divamantha, Divamantha which is originally the T. Psychodelicus. It's been changed. The names have been changed. So we'll say we're t- we'll, we'll go with T. Psycho because I think a lot of people haven't heard that these guys have been switched over. And we'll say they're coming from Germany for distribution in the U.S. hobby. And in this instance, we'll say that both vendors are getting slings for an amazing $75 a piece, which would be a great cost. And again, this is all hypothetical. Please don't quote me and say, Tom Moran said this is exactly what it goes for. We're just trying to take a, make a ballpark statement here about how this could impact 
the hobby and how it differs between the two people, one doing it legally, one doing it illegally. So vendor A is on the up and up, is doing so legally, having all the permits and going through all the regulatory hoops. Vendor B will be smuggling them in via brown boxing. So let's look at the cost of spiders for each person is going to be pretty much the base cost exactly the same. $75 times 100, we're talking 7500 bucks worth of spiders coming in. That's a, that's a big order, but with as thirsty as people are for this beautiful species in the United States, I'm sure they'll sell very well. Cost for shipping. Vendor A, we're going to go middle of the line. They're paying $1,400 for shipping. That's right, $1,400. I've never spent $1,400 on one spot, uh, shot on tarantulas. I don't know many out there who have. So he's paying more for shipping than most of us pay for our whole order of tarantulas, for my last 10 orders of tarantulas. Vendor B, on the other hand, will make it high. We'll say they're paying, spending 100 bucks. That's it, $100, done. You can see right here where this is going. Broker and insurance fees. Vendor A will go for a low ball number of $600. Vendor B... We're going to go for a, well, very low ball number. There's nothing. They're not paying vendors. They're not uh, brokers. They're not paying insurance fees. They're doing this illegally. So they can knock those costs right off. So right away, if we go to figure out the individual cost of the spiders, the legal importer, the vendor that's doing the right thing, the one that we want to support, is going to be paying $95 per spider. Vendor B is going to be spending $76 per spider. So let's just round it, $20 difference per spider. So when they put them up for pre-order price, vendor A may, and we're just throwing these out there. I've talked to a couple vendors about it or dealers about it, and it's like it depends on the spider in the markup, but we're just going to go with they were putting them on sale for $135 each, which would be a very reasonable price. However, vendor B, our, our smuggler, is selling them for $115. Guess what people are going to immediately gravitate to? I have had arguments with people who, I'm not going to mention dealer names, I'm obviously not going to mention people, but where I've talked about prices and people have gone, well, I used to buy there, but their prices are a little bit higher. I now buy from this person. And when I look at this person, it's somebody that I'm pretty reasonably sure is not getting things the right way. So they're able to cut corners and cut costs. So guess what that does to the bottom line of the person who is trying to actually do this legally? In this scenario, the reputable dealer is paying $1,900 more than the smuggler for the same box of spiders. The added overhead cost obviously means that the law-abiding importer is paying 25% more for his animals than the vendor brown boxing. As a result, vendor B can conceivably set his pre-import prices $20 lower, which is going to get him more business. And it's also important to consider that in this scenario, we're talking about a rather large order of $7,500, which helps to defray the extra cost. For smaller orders, the extra cost of importing legally swelled to an even larger percentage of the overall cost. Again, this impacts the markup on the spiders and the prices the public has to pay. And with this being an expensive hobby, I understand completely why people price shop. Heck, I used to price shop all the time back in the day until I realized it's more important for me. I don't care if I spend an extra couple bucks or can get a, a few less spiders to support people I know are doing it legitimately. So I'm helping not only myself, but the hobby. So unfortunately, this has been a dirty little secret in the hobby for quite some time. Many hobbyists are completely unaware of the issue, and they just assume that anyone offering import is doing so legally. So they don't even think to consider whether the lower prices may be a result of shady or illegal business practices. When price shopping for tarantulas, they'll obviously be drawn to the retailer offering the better deal, which makes all the sense in the world. 
but it can also essentially lead them to purchasing smuggled animals. And people need to think about this. If you can sleep at night doing that, I'll just shut my mouth. I'm not going to talk down to you. That's your thing. But I think a lot of people would be upset, especially people who are really into the hobby and want to see it grow and want to see us gain legitimacy because overall, even people who keep snakes, I kept snakes for years. I get less weird looks when I kept snakes or got less weird looks when I kept snakes than I do for tarantulas. Most people think we're nuts. We don't have a lot of support with the outside world as far as this hobby is concerned. So we, things go wrong and we get busted. People aren't going to sympathize with us. So obviously, I am not a business person, but it doesn't take a business degree to recognize that undercutting the prices of legitimate businesses through illegal practices hurts these businesses and puts a strain on the market. The legal vendor is faced with either lowering their prices to match those of the smuggler, thereby losing money, or keeping them as they are and risk losing sales and being stuck with expensive stock. That's not fair. I mean, let's call it as it is. These guys are going through all of this bother and all of this money to pull these guys in here, and we're going to ignore them and pay for smuggled animals? I just It bothers me a lot. So this puts unnecessary financial pressure, obviously, on the lawful U.S. dealers who already have the daunting task of trying to remain profitable in a niche market. Because let's call it as it is. This isn't something you're going to get rich with. I have a lot of people contact me, and it, it makes me sad sometimes because like, yeah, I just, I'm just getting in the hobby. I'm buying up all these females because I'm thinking I can make a lot of money off this. And if you're getting into it for that, please just leave. It's not what it's about. Enjoy the animals. Enjoy the tarantulas for what they are. Grow some up. Obviously, I think breeding is a huge part of it. And I think breeding and selling things off and helping supply the U.S. hobby with captive bred slings is incredibly important and rewarding. But don't just have that be your main motivation. That's just, you know, trafficking in animals' lives. It just makes it so icky. So what? how... How does this impact us? Why should you care? I'm sure there are people listening to this going, yeah, yeah, whatever. And I'm just hoping that I've got a a good enough reputation in the hobby that people realize that when I come up with this stuff, there's a lot of thought that goes into it. And I've been in it long enough to have made a lot of these mistakes. And now my hope is to kind of share and spread the word so that other people have a better time at recognizing that this is an issue before they do what I did and probably brought in animals that I shouldn't have. So if you're receiving smuggling animals, you're breaking federal law. Uh, Just throw that out there. By doing so, you open yourself up to having your animals seized and possibly earning a hefty fine or jail time. Now, I've heard arguments, well, they're not going to go after the little guy. Well, in most cases, you know what? You're right. You're probably right. They want the big guys. They want to make sure they catch the ones bringing it in. And as we've already established, the United States Fish and Wildlife Agency that's responsible for basically finding these smugglers and and catching the brown boxers, they have a daunting task because there's only a few hundred of them with a lot of places. They come in, they come in all over the world. It's very difficult. They can't open every package that comes in from Europe. So obviously the vast majority of people don't get caught. But really, is that why we do things? We just do things illegal because we don't get caught? I guess some of us do, but I would like to think some of us have more character than that and, and look at the bigger picture of how it harms our hobby. So I often hear... Folks arguing the chances of getting caught shipping like this are very slim, so it's worth the risk, and I just find that line of thinking to be quite troublesome. Vendors who import illegally obviously are able to avoid the cost of importing, allowing them to offer the animals and also put unnecessary pressure on the dealers who are following the law. 
As we established earlier, U.S. tarantula hobby depends heavily on European import to keep it supplied with our captive bred slings. We don't produce enough here. And I think most people would be amazed to discover just how many of the slings they buy originated from overseas. We depend on these legitimate dealers to legally import these animals into our country. So we definitely don't want them to close down due to an even financial playing field created by smuggling. Bottom line, they are putting our legal importers at risk. There aren't many large and reputable dealers in the United States as it stands, and to lose any of these could potentially create a void in the market, and we don't want that. You think your prices of slings and uh, females are high now. Imagine if they were able to choke off the import, the legal import. All we would have is smuggled stuff, and as blatant as people are with posting this stuff online and, and advertising it, it wouldn't take too long for somebody in the government to key in on it and put a kibosh on that as well. So it's also important to consider that any type of federal crackdown and importation of these animals would have drastic and dire consequences for our hobby. The problem with the brown boxing is that it has been around for quite some time, but as the hobby grows, it seems to be becoming more and more prevalent, and people are becoming more and more brazen with their advertisements for it. For upstarts trying to get a jump on creating a customer base and getting a one-up on established competition, it proves convenient and much cheaper than the legal alternative. I mean, it's we've already established you can save a couple thousand bucks just pulling stuff in, which means even more spiders. These folks often advertise their import on public forums such as Arachnoboards and Fauna Classifies, as well as Facebook and t- Twitter, which of course is right out there for the federal fish and wildlife agents to see. If they want to look, I, I would love to work for them and be a detective in this because probably in a day I could have enough to put a lot of people out of business because it's literally right out there. Join a couple groups, monitor for a little while. As soon as the import thing comes out, you know, here we, we're offering some import as my dogs click in the background, of course, it's become my trademark. And then e- email, contact them and say, hey, I'd like to see your permit for this or where you get them in. Which port are you picking them up from? It wouldn't take too long to catch a lot of these people. I also can't help but find it kind of amusing that as hobbyists, we often designate certain practices as detrimental and possibly threatening to our hobby. So, for example, when we hear about handling, folks who dissuade handling always point to the possibility of a bad old world bite making news and leading to a possible countrywide ban. That's a huge fear that some kid's going to get bit by an OBT. It'll make national news. Next thing you know, people will go, why are these people keeping these deadly poisonous spiders? Yes, we know they're venomous, but it, it would just be a witch hunt to get rid of them. And then the government would, again, start policing us, which is what we don't want. And is it a possibility? Absolutely. Um, We also talked about shipping the tarantulas through the U.S. Postal Service could lead to bus negative publicity and legal ramifications for the hobby. Although, and here's where I run into problem. I, I agree both of these are definitely potential, but we never mentioned the brown boxing. And although both of these instances could hypothetically have damaging consequences for the hobby, I believe that brown boxing is even more of a scary threat. A widely publicized bust, especially one containing sites protected species, and there have been instances of this, could certainly bring unwanted and potentially damaging attention to the hobby. Most of us, and most of the world at large, does not understand why we would want to keep these animals in the first place. So they wouldn't look at this as something crucial for the United States to keep importing animals in to support these weird little hobbyists. It would be something where they would crack down and probably stop it completely. Now, is this really that 
likely to happen? I don't know, but I don't even want to take the chance. I just think it's important that as hobbyists, we police ourselves as to not invite the negative attention, not roll the dice, and not potentially set ourselves up to take a very public fall. Because I'm telling you, people don't get it, and they're not going. If I talk, I work at a place where a bunch of educated adults, are, they're all teachers, I bring up spiders. Most of them do not understand why I keep them and would not care if they banned them. As a matter of fact, they've said things to the point of if I live in an apartment and the person next to me had tarantulas, I would ask that they be removed. That's ridiculous. So we're talking that level of hatred for these animals. If we make public news for smuggling them, do you think people are going to care about us? No. So I've often heard the argument again that the bus is not likely and as there are very few agents to actually inspect all the packages coming in. And some will also argue that the USFW is also more concerned with catching smugglers dealing in protected animals and, you know, rhinoceros horns and smuggled in things of that nature. They really don't have the time to worry about a few spiders crossing the border. However, this is still illegal and many would argue an immoral activity that certainly shouldn't be supported by true hobbyists, especially ones that have been enlightened to the consequences of it, both that they could face and on the hobby itself. So although the responsible agencies may lack the manpower to catch most of the smugglers, they do catch some. Several years ago, U.S. Fish and Wildlife agents discovered a brown box package of illegally imported spiders being sent to a prominent dealer at the time. And I'm sure some of you guys who have been around for a while probably know who I'm talking about. I was actually not heavy into the hobby at this point, learned about it later on. Somebody informed me of it. I'm not going to mention the name because they've recently gone out of business. But this was a BFD at the time. I mean, people were really all over it. And... Basically, this led to a sting operation which made national news and which the U.S. dealer flipped, turned informant basically, and helped to lure a German smuggler to the States so that they could arrest him. And the smuggler was apprehended, received a six-month jail sentence. The dealer got off easy for cooperating, but his reputation remained tarnished for a long, long time, and people would not let him. He did build his business back up for a while, but people... A lot of people did not forgive him for this. So it does happen, and it could happen again, especially if it continues on the scale that it's happening now. Like I've tried to impart, it wouldn't be difficult for somebody out there in the government to find these things online and get all the evidence they would need to stop them. So how do I know if my importer is legit? So I'm hoping what's going to happen is people out there are going to start asking questions. I'm sure some won't. They'll be uncomfortable. They have relationships with people. They've been ordering for years. They're really nice. I, I, I hear this one a lot, and this happened when I first found out that I was buying from somebody that was brown box. I was like, oh, man, he's such a nice guy. Like, Unfortunately, they may be nice people. Maybe they don't realize the ramifications of what they're doing, but the bottom line is they're doing something illegal. So the easiest way to find out is ask. You have every right to know if your animals are being brought into the country legally, and a reputable dealer should be able to provide you with proof that everything is copacetic and completely legal. The dealers I spoke with would have absolutely no problem sharing proof of their illegal imports, including their permits. So you can ask, hey, I'm buying these spiders from you. I'm about to drop 250 bucks on a pre-order. Could you please let me know that these are legal? There is nothing wrong with doing that. It can be put politely. I think it's something everybody should be doing so we make sure we ferret out the ones that aren't doing this the right way. If they can't or won't offer any proof of legal import, my advice, move on. Find somebody else. Pay an extra five bucks for your sling for crying out loud. Like it's, we're done supporting people that can't do it the right way. If they want to really build a legitimate business, 
then they need to do things legitimately instead of smuggling things in and taking the easy way out. Yes, I know we all want cheaper slings, but is this really the way we want them? Um, in some instances, the vendor may have acquired their import from another dealer or importer. What happens a lot is these, as we've already established, $7,000 for import is a chunk of money that most people don't have to throw away and take a chance on. However, if three or four people go into it, it drastically reduces how much, obviously, each person has to pay. So a lot of people will go in on an import with hopefully the person actually doing the import doing it legally. Unfortunately, a lot of the times they are not. So if they have acquired their import from another dealer or importer, again, they should still be expected to provide you proof of legal importation. That is not unreasonable. Hey, oh, sorry, I'm getting them from this guy. I'm not sure. That doesn't cut it. All right, you're getting it from this guy. Can I please get in contact with him? Could you please give me a copy of his import license? Could you please show me you know, what you're submitting to it? You can ask for proof of legal import. You are entitled to it. And there are also some clues that you can kind of look out for when you're pre-ordering import that can tip you off that things might not be on the up and up. So a big one right off the bat, the dealer isn't exactly sure what day the import is coming in. This should send off huge alarm bells that something is not right because this is a telltale sign that the import is being brown boxed. Importing, those importing legally must plan for their package to come into a port. They must notify customs beforehand, prepare a list of the animals they will be receiving, drive up and meet them when it comes in, and the import is basically arriving in a day. So it's like shipping FedEx. It's coming from the other country on a plane, being dropped off at the port, at the airport. You're going to go there, pick it up within a day. They know exactly when that import is coming in. Somebody that doesn't know when it's coming in is probably having it mailed to them. They don't know when it's coming in because when you mail from another country, it can take weeks for something to come in. I used to mail stuff to England, and we had people there who would buy books and Germany, and it would take sometimes two, three weeks to get there. Not always. It can be a week. It can be two, but the problem is you don't know. They can't track it when it's going overseas. So that's something to think about if they can't pinpoint a date. Now, that's not to say, hey, it's cold in Poland right now. He's waiting to send it. That's something a little bit different. But if he's like, oh, you know what? It's coming in, but I'm not quite sure what day, and they can't nail down a day, or all of a sudden they email you and like, oh, yeah, they just came in today. I was surprised. Something's up You can't that you want to ask some questions there. Another big one. The dealer isn't getting a live animal guarantee from the European dealer selling them the spiders. If your vendor doesn't have a lag guarantee on the incoming shipment, you should be asking questions immediately. Legal shipments come air freight and arrive in a day, sometimes even less, and all reputable exporters will offer lag on their shipments. The reason brown boxes aren't getting a lag on their shipments is because the box could be in the mail for weeks and they are probably going to have losses. They are very, very likely. That's the long and short of it. You think about it. When your package gets lost in the mail, you order tarantulas and it gets lost FedEx one day, people freak out. We don't want them in the mail any longer than they have to be and it could be dangerous for them. Now imagine they're coming overseas and been there for two or three weeks. We don't know what the weather is. Don't plop down any money on an expensive import that is coming in without a lag. That's just foolish. And sometimes the dealer advertising the import is not bringing it in his himself, but piggyback, piggybacking on an order from another dealer. Sometimes to save money, two or more vendors might split one import. If the individual actually importing the animals is doing so legally, this isn't a problem at all, and it happens. There's a lot of people who work together because it behooves the whole 
the whole community to have these animals in here. So sometimes they'll go in together. It's perfectly legal. However, there are some instances where the folks are brown boxing and they will share their import list with other vendors and people to offer them a chance to get in on the deal. And if the vendor you're buying from isn't the one importing, you should also inquire as to whether or not the animals are entering the country legally or not. Now, the truth of the matter is, unless we want to overpay for a terrible selection of sick, mislabeled, and overpriced tarantulas at pet stores, we need to support the legitimate tarantula dealers out there who are the lifeblood of our hobby. Supporting brown boxing is not only highly illegal, but it undercuts and damages the businesses of legitimate dealers. And even without the pressure of smuggling, it can be incredibly difficult for tarantula dealers to make money in this business. Many have side jobs and do this out of a genuine love for the animals. Some of the ones I work with got into this because they just love working with the animals. Are they making some money on it? Yes. But do you think they're getting, if you think they're getting rich on it, you're kind of kidding yourself. It doesn't work that way. Trust me on this one. So, I know some people are probably thinking, all right, this is a victimless crime. And unfortunately, some folks who learn about brown boxing honestly don't care if their pets come into the country illegally. Many hobbyists will point out that many of the spiders first entering the European hobby do so as illegally harvested wild-caught adults. They come in, they grab them from Africa, they bring them up to their country, they start breeding them. So a lot of people be like, well, our whole hobby is built on smuggling. The idea of captive bred specimens crossing the international boundaries illegally just doesn't seem like that big of a deal when you consider the grand scheme of things. Some will even argue that it's a victimless crime as the only party losing out is the freight carrier who really doesn't need the business anyway. Hobbyists who complain about the high prices of captive bred slings in the U.S. welcome any type of relief from high prices, even if it means that their stock comes into the country illegally. It comes down to price checking. If I'm going to buy a spider and I can get the spider for $35 instead of $55, then I'm going to do it because this is an expensive hobby. It is one that tends to be addictive, so people want to buy as many as they can. So you're going to get more for your money, obviously, from the ones that are illegally imported. But having already covered the economic impact on the hobby, let's instead take a moment to think about the animals that are being shipped. Guys, we're dealing with animals, living creatures. Uh, There's huge discussions over whether or not they're pets or whatnot, but most of us really care deeply about them. We don't want them to die. We don't want them to suffer. These are living creatures we're dealing with. So when we ship in the U.S., we usually usually use FedEx using next day or two-day shipping because the idea is to make sure that the animals spend as little time in transit as possible. Despite being quite hardy and able to survive the mailing process quite well, they are still subjected to bumps and jostles as well as extreme temperature shifts as they travel across our country, just even in the U.S. Brown box spiders can spend well over a week in transit, sometimes two or three, when shipped from Europe to the U.S. This obviously puts a lot of stress on the animals and drastically increases the likelihood of DOAs. In the aforementioned case involving the German smuggler, the first box intercepted by the U.S. Fish and Wildlife had both live and dead tarantulas in it. That's right. They made a point of mentioning it in the article that some of the animals were dead. They've been stuck in the mail for a while. That's just considered to be part of this process. When you order these animals, you know you're going to get some dead ones. This means at least some of the poor spiders smuggled don't survive the journey. The length of the journey makes it impossible to use heat packs or cold packs to protect the animals from cold or warm weather. And weather weather patterns can vary wildly from Europe to the U.S. Heck, weather patterns can vary wildly from just different sections of the United States, never mind across an ocean. Anyone shipping that distance using regular mail is potentially subjecting these animals to stress and death all to save money. Are we really okay with that? Are, are you, can you sleep at night? If you are, honestly, you don't belong in a hobby that deals with animals. I mean, honestly, here's my thought on it. 
This is a hobby involving living animals, and ideally those who participate in it should have a genuine, genuine love for these creatures. You should want to take care of them, want to make sure they don't suffer. If you're not the least bothered by subjecting animals to harsh conditions all this, so you can save a few bucks adding one to your collection, perhaps you should look into collecting something like stamps or CDs. I mean, it's really, we are such a small hobby compared to other ones out there that we really need to band together and police ourselves as we try to grow it. I personally would love to see our hobby continue to grow. I would like to see a day where I tell people I keep tarantulas, and obviously I'm probably being unrealistic here, but I'd like to see a day where I tell a room full of educated adults, yes, I keep tarantulas and aren't looked at like I'm some type of basement-dwelling creepy sociopath or something. It's like they really do judge you. I'd like to see people understand better what we see in these animals, the beauty in them. And to do that, I think we want to make ourselves as legitimate as possible. Having bad press about smuggling does nothing but harm the hobby. Having good upstanding dealers who are doing everything correctly put out of business because people are able to undercut them by cheating that's that's just a travesty as far as i'm concerned and i don't want to see some of the people i work with close down because i do over the years i've gotten to know some i get to talk about it, i get to see the other side of the business and a i've developed a huge appreciation for what they do you cannot fathom the amount of work that goes into doing this. This isn't like selling models or selling toys or selling books. I mean, I did books before. You are dealing with living animals that you have to take care of properly every single day. The shipping involved, it's just such a difficult business. We want to support these people and hopefully have other ones pop up and have more, even more good dealers so that we can lower our prices. We want to support captive breeding, obviously, because eventually it would be nice if the U.S. market could breed enough captive bred slings to support the whole hobby. We're not there yet. We're not even near there. So until we get there, we need imports. We rely on imports. And as long as we do, it's our responsibility as informed hobbyists and as good people, I think, and as good pet owners to make sure that the animals we're getting are acquired legally. That's my thought on it. Now, hopefully this doesn't come across as Tom jumping on his soapbox, but it is something I feel very, very strongly about, and it irritates me when I see people advertising stock that I have a pretty good idea because the telltale signs are there. Is as a dog shakes off in the background, are coming in, you know, the stock is coming in illegally. That drives me absolutely insane. So I'm putting the hard court press on this one. There is an article coming soon on my website that will also contain all this, including some charts to kind of lay it out. Normally, I don't, and I've had people comment on this. When I put up a video or an article, I kind of just throw it up on Facebook and that's it. And I don't promote the heck out of it. I know a lot of people on YouTube try to get their videos everywhere so that more people see it. I figure people... I have a a lot of folks that follow me. They'll find it and they'll pass it on. So I do encourage you that if you enjoyed this, please, again, I don't promote myself for the sake of promoting myself, but I am trying to promote this message. Please pass it along and do know that I will be doing a video version of it on YouTube and the article on it will hopefully be out this year. That'll be probably the easier thing to pass around because I know a lot of folks aren't into the podcast yet and I completely understand that. But we do want to start getting word out there, start cleaning up our hobbies, start evening up the playing field for folks who are trying to do this correctly and to police it ourselves. The last thing we want is the government stepping in because trust me, they're going to be a heck of a lot more heavy-handed than we would be. So again, and as usual, thanks so much for those of you that have been listening. It's been nice to watch my, I guess you call it listenership, 
growing every week, which has been great. And again, I have a lot of folks ask, you know, it seems to be some fear that I'm going to stop doing these, but I'm not. If, if anything I'd stop doing, it would be the videos for it. No, the videos take a lot more time. These are easier to do. And Billy tends to go shopping on Saturdays, which gives me a little time to get some work done around here. So I'm going to keep doing them. So don't worry there. Um, as usual, I will be posting this up on Facebook. So hopefully some folks will chime in. I really hope to hear from people from across the seas about what their um, export and import laws are and concerns of these animals, because that would be great information to have. And I think would kind of be enriching for some folks that are listening to this that may be overseas. Because again, I'm just addressing the U.S. hobby, not even reaching into Canada at this point or Europe. And again, Europeans, it's apparently completely illegal to ship to other European countries, so no problem there. So again, thanks for listening. If you want to leave a comment, leave one on my Facebook page. Please feel free to check out my channel, Tom's Big Spiders, on YouTube and my website, tomsbigspiders.com. Thanks again.